0: You for listening to this message from the North Pole. Well, anyways, guys, I want to talk to you about like a nickname I've been hearing for God. If you've been praying with me at all the last few weeks, you know what I'm gonna say. Because this one is I can't, I literally think I'm gonna write a book, and this is gonna be one of the chapters. But I'm getting downloads of like new ways to see God. And what I want to talk about tonight is this revelation that God is the great initiator. He's the great initiator. How many of you know what that means? Lift your hands. Some of you had because I've been preaching it in prayer meeting, every time I get in, I'm like, he's the great initiator. Well, let me tell it to you one more time. Amen. Everything we do, our apostle said, is a gift. Everything we experience is a gift. 1 John 4, 19 says, We love him. Why? He first loved us. He's the great initiator. It's impossible to love him without him first loving you. In fact, the apostle Paul tells us it's impossible for a man to declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, except by what? Through the Holy Spirit. So if you're actually convinced in your heart, now people could say whatever, but if you actually are convinced in your heart, That Jesus Christ is Lord. Guess what? You can't even believe that without the Holy Ghost. That should be good news to everyone in the room and anyone listening to the podcast or live stream tonight. Listen, if you believe in Jesus, it means that God and the Holy Ghost is still working in you. That is good news. I'm seeing examples of on social media of Christian artists that renounce their faith and they're like, I don't know if I've ever really believed. And I'm like, hmm, that's terrifying. It's one thing to say, I know I should be living this way and I'm not, but I know he's he's still God. It's a whole nother thing that is, I don't know if I've ever actually believed. That's terrifying to me. So if you believe in Jesus, Glenn, that's good news. That means he's still working in your life, Amen. John 6 is loaded with jewels. You know what John 6 is? It's where Jesus told a whole crowd of people to eat me. You want to thin out the crowd? There's too many people following me. I'm kind of tired of this. Eat me! It's like a Slim Jim. He was the original Slim Jim commercial, Jesus. Eat me! Did he not? Eat my flesh, drink my blood. They're like, dude, bro. You're getting a little crazy with this revival thing. But in John 6, in between of all this, and he's watching the reaction, and he begins to provoke them, he says, in three different verses, he, I piece it together as one thing in my mind, because it's, it's such a beautiful thing. He says, no one can come to me unless the Father draws them to me. Okay, think about this. At another place, a little bit down, I think it's verse 44, he says something like, no one can come, Unless the Father grants them to come, and anyone that the Father brings to me, I will by no means cast away. Which means to be to eject from me, to be spewed out. That's good news. Now let's practically think about this. What does that mean? How many you in the morning have ever had an unction or an impression? I want to see Jesus. I want to pray this morning before work or anything like that. Raise your hand. That is a testimony and indication that the Father is drawing you. How many of you ever done that? And then the prayer closet was hard as a rock. And you started the question What's wrong? I normally hear you. How come I'm not hearing you? Where are you at, Jesus? Did I sin? then the accusing voice starts coming and you start getting it to, I swear now I'm gonna pray six hours a day and I'm gonna do everything. And you try to start, you finish in the flesh, well, start in the spirit just because you didn't give a revelation for 10 minutes. Maybe I'm the only one. Okay, now I got some hands going up, okay? The fact, Amanda, that he puts it on your heart to come to church when you don't feel like it and to pray and seek his face when no one's around here is an indication that he's drawing to you and he will by no means cast you away. You know what that means? Even we don't feel him working. What does this song say? He's working. And maybe he's not talking to you because what you want to talk about, like pastor says, he doesn't want to talk about. Especially if you get whiny like I have in the past. I'm so bad and terrible. He's just like, when you're done, we'll talk. I was blown away not that long ago, a few months ago. I was praying like, Lord, what do you want to talk about today? I'm praying in the tongues, praying in the spirit. What do you want to talk about today? Praying. I don't know if I said those exact words. All of a sudden, I saw Johnson Dorn in my mind, Pastor Johnson from Hope Chapel. And I got the greatest sense of joy that I may have ever had in intercession. I mean, I come from the camp where we cry and we travail. Right, grab the horns by the altar. And I'm sitting there in my liver and praying in the spirit going, I don't know what to do. I'm just so happy right now. God, he want me to, does he need saved or something? Like, what does he need? Like pray, do I cover him? Is he sick? Like I'm my mind, my religion instantly takes me to something's wrong. And the Lord's like, no, he's not, where every no, I just want to celebrate my son. And I realized in a moment, the Lord was just inviting me to what? Is it Zephaniah 3.16 off the top of my head? The father dances over us and he was allowing me to the circle dance over Pastor Johnson. I have no idea why, but all I did was make room in the morning and he just says, Mike, check this out. Consider my servant, Pastor Johnson over here. I just love this dude. And I'm like, yes, I love that dude too. He's amazing. He gives the best hugs, man. I seen him deliver someone that a demon curled up one time in the gym and it made this growling noise and clenched the fist. He literally laughed at the demon and said, not today, and gave the dude a hug. And the dude fell, a 6'3", 300-pounder fell right in his arms. I was right behind him waiting to catch I'm like, it's on, get the buckets, get the trash can over here. Nope. Perfect love had its work. You can't even say he's Lord without him. You have no hunger to pray if he doesn't give it. They sing it this weekend. One of the greatest revelations that I think many of us didn't even catch probably was Paige Putman singing, hunger is a gift. I've been trying my entire life to steward hunger, and I don't think it's ever worked. I'm just going to be honest with you. The best answer I know to steward hunger is what Bill Johnson says. In the natural, you eat, and you get full, and you're not hungry anymore, but in the spirit, you keep eating, and you get more hungry. That's the closest thing to stewarding hunger I've ever found. All I know is when I get hungry... I'm just with him. And then when that starts to wane off, you know what I do? I say, God, I've lost my hunger. I've recognized it, so I'm here. And you know what happens? That immediate, just that quick of a repentance, I'm not beating myself up. That literally just about face turned and lifting my hands in my private time, hunger begins to come. We have this whole joy thing backwards. We have the whole obedience thing backwards throughout the body of Christ. Mike, what are you talking about? Obedience is very important. Yes, but it's not a slave master or a task master. We still think of like slavery in medieval times where there's a dude with a whip beating us. Jesus clearly tells what obedience is for. In the book of John, what does he say? These commandments I give you so that your joy may be full, and my joy may be full in you. In other words, there's a way of life. And we, in the Western culture, admit it it probably from the medieval church back in Europe that we inherited, that we think it's obedience such a scary word in our culture. Obedience is the path to the greatest dimension of joy we've ever had. Yes, that's good news. And the word joy... In scripture, you know what it actually means? Grace recognized. It's directly related to the word grace. It's like grace, the word is charis. It's actually, or where we get the word charismatic, you can pronounce it charis, but it's actually charis. And it's joy because of grace. That's why we don't need to be afraid of losing anything. If you're responding, you know know what you do? You raise your hands and you say, God, I didn't earn it. Just like Bill Cartwright said, I didn't deserve it. But you give yourself away. Northgate, how could we be afraid to lose something we didn't earn? If I earned it, I have to keep earning it. If he gave it away, I just say, yes. You know how I steward that? I just show up for the walk. And then as soon as I get afraid and start being afraid of losing it, guess what I do? Oh God, now that you poured out your spirit, I'll pray three hours a day. Well, that never brought it because I prayed three hours a day and revival didn't come. I know pastors that prayed for hours a day and don't have what we have day in and day out. He answers prayers. Absolutely, but it's all grace. He is the great initiator. Paul says in Romans twelve three, he gives us a measure of faith. You can't even believe in him without the measure of faith. But you know what our response is to the measure of faith? is to believe. He gives you a measure of faith. Here, I'm real. How many of you don't talk about? You got saved. You felt that maybe your mommy and daddy or grandma took you to church, and you're in there, this is down, this is boring, I can't stay in church. Next thing you know, one Sunday morning, something starts hitting your heart, and you're like, my God, this stuff is real. I used to as a kid be up there watching my mom pray in tongues. I'm like, she's just saying the same four, like, Chinese words over and over again. I don't know if that's real. And then I get saved and I just feel this tug of pray. I went to the gym. I come home and I'm like, I feel this tug to pray. I'm like, I'm gonna be late for work. I hate going. I kneeled down. This is how I got tongues. I literally kneeled down to go pray in English. The next thing you know, I start going, and I was like, whoa, 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 like, I didn't what am I doing? And I couldn't stop. No one could talk. no one came out to my home, you know, they were coming up going, just say it, just say it, just say it. Oh, you got it. You just got to let it out. No one came up, tickled my beard, none of that stuff. I literally knelt down in the privacy of my own bedroom, and boom, it hit me. Why? He's the great initiator. Everything we do, he this teenager thing going on, he initiated it. He initiated it. Asbury, he initiated it. And everyone wants to put the rules to revival. Well, well I want to see Saul saved. He doesn't care about that, obviously, because all he's doing is having people seek him right now. Can you just let God be God for a minute and quit putting your stupid religious charismatic rules? Well, in order to technically be a revival, you got to have four points. When you see these four points, then you know, where the heck do you get that out of the Bible? Where do you see that in Scripture? You're going to make me cuss. And I'm seeing these people, thank God people are celebrating other people like, well, you know, it's good that they're seeking God. These kids, 24 hours a day, but I mean... You know, someone's got to preach the word. They're living the word, you idiots. Are you kidding me? College kids that didn't seek him. The guy that had the message, it wasn't very exciting by his own admission, thought it was his worst thing. Five people stayed over and then it broke out and it's still going on today. And then now it's breaking out on college campuses. Why? Because God decided to be God, initiate some things and people responded. Our responsibility is, is to try to make it happen. Our responsibility is to respond when he makes it happen. That's why you need to be here when the teenagers get down here. I'm not telling you it's gonna go away if you don't. And you don't wear yourselves out and you can't get your laundry. I'm not telling you that stuff. But I'm saying is there's hours of visitation in scripture that he sets an extended period of grace for you to come in and it's time to turn aside. Amen? On January 29th, we had that incredible service. Do you remember that incredible service where it was so free in here and we knew something was different? It was way before Asbury broke out. And I'm like, Lord, what are you doing? The teenagers are hungry and this is before they start praying every day. It's so free. I never felt it so free since I've been around with this family ever. And I heard the words, provocation of glory. Provocation of glory. I believe the Lord is releasing a holy provocation. This is before Asbury broke out. This is January 29th. I told some of you at the church, I just keep hearing this. You know why? God will offend the charismatic religious community by going to a Methodist college and the people praying and fasting in stadiums. Listen, I'm not knocking those dudes. People doing this and spending 24 hours in prayer, they're not receiving it. I'm not saying they're bad people. They're doing great things. I honor all. Took Methodist College where they're not seeking God, and they're singing songs. Literally don't know anything about deliverance, and people are getting delivered in the meeting. Did you see the video? Someone's having a seizure. Someone's like, no, that's a demon. Come on, Jesus' name. And the guy on the stage is just like dumbfounded. He's like, "Uh." let's just like sing a song of victory because you know, for, and thank Jesus for victory. I had no idea what just happened. And people are like, the spiritual gifts aren't moving. That's not revival. Oh, okay. They are to people that have no idea. Thank, thank God one lady was there that knew what she was doing. Amen. God, I believe is using Asbury and all these different moves to provoke people. He's using teenagers to provoke. You know how I knew for sure it was revival? I saw the testimony that pastor shared on Facebook. and if there's any question in my heart, it was absolutely done. This kid says, I came there. I said, Lord, is this real revival? The Lord said, look to your left. He said, I looked to my left. There's an old man praying with a young man. And I'm like, wow. He's like, the Lord said, look to the right. I look over. There was a young woman praying for an older woman. I'm like, wow. And the Lord said, look behind you. And I saw hands up, worshiping God all through the thing. And what that kid probably didn't realize is he was prophesying the spirit of Elijah is here. Yes. The hearts of the fathers turn to the sons and the sons of the father. That, my friend, is revival. Yes. And many of you may not know this, but we're friends with Janet Porter, who originated, wrote, wrote the heartbeat bill. Jen actually got saved through her book years before meeting her at Bethel. We were over house one day, and she, man, you think pastor's fiery. This, when it comes to politics, she's crazy. Janet, if you're listening, you probably won't. Thank God, but I love you. She's like, you're prophetic. Pray, 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 pray. I'm like, she's like, grab the sword. Grab the sword. She's got this 20-foot-thousand-long Braveheart sword on her fireplace mantle. And I'm like, I'm not really good at anything. You know what I mean? You guys know me. I'm like... Okay, yeah, yeah. She's putting this freaking, literally a Braveheart sword in my hand. I got this at the state hall or whatever their, whatever story was. And I'm like, great, I got nothing. You know, she gives me this sword. We begin to pray. Do you remember this? And I said, Whew. when the laws of abortion overturn to this land, the hearts of the father will return back to the son and men will return back to their families. The curse will be broken off the land. And I was like, what just came out of my mouth? I don't know if I believe that. What the heck? What just got what just happened last fall? I know abortion's still legal, but you know what just happened? The law of abortion that held it all together was undone in one moment. Now, the turn of the year, what do we see? The hearts of the fathers. What happens when abortion is outlawed throughout the country? Fatherlessness may never be heard of again. I never heard anyone say that or prophesy. I'm just telling you what came out of my mouth with the Braveheart sword. Maybe been the sword, I don't know, but I think it was the spirit. It's revival. What are we doing here? Teenagers are going after it. Mike Clendenin's here when he's not working almost all the time. I come in one day. Bill was here. That I see, I don't know, left or something. I come in here. Mike Clinton is here. I look over. Didn't even know she's here. I see Beth Cutray by that couch where they're dancing. I don't know if she danced for years, like being in the house. Like she was dancing, like like there was a thousand people going crazy, and there may have been ten people in the room. And I'm like, this is that. Why? The parents turning the hearts to the sons and daughters. The sons and daughters aren't saying, this is our revival. Boomer, get out of here. They're intertwining. I look at Caden one day. I was like, Caden, you mind if an old fat guy comes and prays with you? And he goes, let's get it. I was like, we win. We win. I tried to get in, I got tired, so I was only in there about 10 seconds. So sorry, Caden, trying to keep up. There's something Bill Johnson calls honoring the spot. He went to go train his hunting dog, and make a long story short. How they train a hunting dog, I guess. I know nothing about hunting, so Warren could probably tell you more than me. But he said they took him, and they take him with a dog that's already trained, and so when they see a duck, or a duck get shot or whatever, or a pheasant, whatever they do, the trained dog will stand up. And then so the the dog that's beat, the trainee, will see the dog, and it will honor the spot and say, okay, he's signaling, so I'm learning that's time to signal. And Bill Johnson says, whenever I see someone accounting the presence of God in a new way or different way, and I know it's God, but it may be something I never encountered before, or if I'm just kind of sitting there watching and I'm not in it like they are, I just honor the spot. I recognize Ashley's here at the altar. I'm not feeling that. You know what? I'm going to honor the spot. Kids are in here during the day. I may not be feeling the hunger they are, but I'm going to honor the spot. As I honor the spot, I jump in and get in the atmosphere, and guess what? There's an inheritance that comes with honor. Amen? There's a provocation of glory. He's a great initiator, isn't he? In Acts one fourteen, Kevin, if you're back there, you can pop this up. What we're seeing now, guys, is not the end. It's just the beginning. Jesus has the 12 in Acts 1. He commands them. He doesn't tell them to pray, ironically enough. He tells them to go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise, right? Guess what their response is? He never tells them to pray. I don't know what that looked like. I don't know if they got it there. Like, I don't know what else to do. Maybe we should pray. I don't know. He spent 40 days with them walking through walls, having them put their finger in his wound, all kinds of crazy stuff, right? All kinds of stuff, making fish, casting, all these different things appeared to him 40 days with many signs and wonders, it says. But then he tells them, go to Jerusalem and wait. And they get together, right? We know there's 120 that remained. And it says this. Do we got the passions up there, Kevin? I think I told you New King James, that's my fault. I didn't think about this. There we go. Verse... 13 to 14, the Passion's here. Arriving there, they went into a large second-floor room to pray. Someone say upper room. Those present were Peter, John, Jacob, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, Jacob, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, the zealot, Judas, the son of Jacob, and a number of women, including Mary, Jesus' mother. His brothers were there as well. Now here it is. All of them were united in prayer. Gripped, now I'm going to add holy because I love it, with one holy passion, interceding night and day. Now stay here. What is translated one mind and one accord? uh, It's a little tight, it's a little loose translation. When you look this up, the passion is the most correct. That word that they say one mind and one accord is actually just one word, it means same passion. They're gripped with the same passion. They just saw Jesus, he he said, go here, we're here, we're gathered, what are we going to do? Let's pray, let's pray. They're gripped with one passion. What is the one passion? To seek the face of Jesus. It results in a prayer meeting, but it's not the end. Friends, I'm here to tell you today that this initial provocation that we're seeing with the hunger to pray and seek the face of God is not the end. It's only the initial provocation. That word for same passion also means unanimous. When I think of unanimous, I think of boxing. Have you ever watched a boxing fight and they say, by winner, by unanimous decision, what does unanimous means? It means everyone in the room agrees. That's why when Pastor or I, we call you up front and you don't want to come up, guess what you're doing? You're not coming in unanimous agreement. You're not coming with same passion. That's why he says, even if you can't stand up, pull a chair and sit right here because we have to get what we used to say, one mind and one accord. No, we have to go. We have to be in agreement. We have to make a unanimous decision to seek the face of God if we want to see the glory come. 10 days of same passion, 10 days of same passion was not the destination it was just the initial provocation of the glory to come. We talk about the book of Acts. We talk about selling homes and even distribution. Something preceded all of that. And it's being gripped by one holy passion. Everyone in the room, everyone in the Northgate, everyone watching on live stream, a complete unanimous decision. I'm all in for Jesus and I'm here to give them everything I have. I'm here to break my box on his feet. That unanimous decision provoked the Lord for an outpouring on the day of Pentecost. Then, as the glory was poured out, the result was union and oneness like they never had to where it said some of them even sold their houses and gave proceeds to those that didn't have need and they had all things in common. It's like, I have coat, two coats. You had need one, I'll give you one. I don't own anything. We've tried to manufacture that far too long in the charismatic movements. You can't manufacture glory. You drive prayer, guess what? You'll have to drive it all the that's what I was taught early on in ministry. You drive this thing, you'll drive it every day of your life till you wear yourself out. What you do is respond when he moves. Then everyone in the room... Makes a unanimous decision, and we come into one holy passion, and guess what happens? It opens the window of heaven for glory. And Jesus says something about glory that I don't know why people don't preach because it's plainly written. Glory has a purpose. Ashley read it today when she declared John 17 in pre service prayer. Whew. What did she read? Father, the glory that you give me, I give to them. Why? That they may be one as you and I are one. Northgate, you have to get over yourselves. You have to get over your fear. Do you want to see the glory? Do you want the glory to remain? This is the, If there's one secret to revival, sustaining lifestyle, revival, It's don't resist the oneness when the glory comes. Jen had many friends that were in a glory movement. Terrible marriages, right? And I'm not judging those people. Terrible order issues, and they're seeing literally jewels like this manifest, right? One guy in Puerto Rico from all around the country, you know, in Puerto Rico, all these different things happening, literally. And they were some of the cockiest son of a gun's. And you talk to them. They are like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm talking about the glory. And they they were literally started making videos, making fun of people. Dressing up like old-timers and going, I'm just ridiculous. And they were funny videos. And they literally started making fun of people. And guess what happened to that entire movement? Even the, who was probably the apostle of it. I won't mention his name. He didn't call himself that, but he was kind of the spark behind it all. Every one of them, catastrophe divorces lost loved ones and I'm, I don't I'm not make, I'm not I'm not better than them. listen I'm not I'm just telling you glory comes for a purpose and when the glory comes this is what happened in the 40s and 50s tent revival. they started getting competition Rick Jordan had a whole book about like taught he used to talk about it all the time started cursing each other oh there there are Our tents bigger they get ten thousand we get twenty thousand it was it was disgusting so guess what happened the glory lifted and that's when the denominations that used to burn like the Methodists and all these things, and I don't know what particular ones I'm saying in general, literally quit. They, they said, we don't want anything to do with the charismatic stuff because it's just, it's carnal and nonsense. And they, they walked away from the moves of the spirit because men of God got in competition when the glory came. I'm talking the generation of Jack Coe, Oral Roberts, and I don't know who's who, I'm just saying, The stories where it all went. Then they started competing and putting their signs up. We have more people. We have a bigger tent, and became a competition. And then the glory lifted. You want the glory to come? Don't resist when you hear when when the worship starts. When pre-service prayer comes, get here early. Get here at five fifteen. Get up here. Start praying. You're not earning anything. You're just hosting presence. You you get to host presence. And when pastor says, come forward, don't be like. That's just an indication of that resistance in you. You're not making unanimous decision. I'm not saying this to shame you. I'm just saying, even if you don't feel it, get up next to someone like Mike Minici. Get up to someone like Stephanie, who, if you're lucky, she'll look at you and smile and pray wine over you like she did me the other day. Got me wrecked. Made me laugh. Get around some hungry people. That's why people can run their mouth about me all they want to. I don't care. I don't want to be on camera. I don't want to be the center of attention. But you, I'll go to her mom's church, which is a Vineyard church, and I'll go right up front, won't I? You don't even go. You just stay home. I go. You're like, eh, I got good church at home. I go right up to the front. I don't care. I want to be in the center. I'm not trying to be seen. I want to be in the center, and I don't care what anyone says. The back of the room is not the same as the front of the room in any church or conference I've ever been to. I used to go to Batesburg, some of the greatest meetings, and sometimes we had to get an overflow. It was not the same as being up front right by the stage. No disrespect to anyone. Babies run around, kids messing around, wasn't the same level of focus and seeking. You get up that front like those kids did in a mobile, there's just something different about being front and center. Ain't nothing about being seen. Whew. if we respond to the grace that's on this house and what's going on in America, we will see the glory come we've been praying for. What does the glory look like? It's the wait. In Hebrew, it's the word kabod, which means the wait. The last message our apostle gave in 2019, December, guess what it was about the wait. Now he's returning in April. And I'm praying that the announcement is you went through that four-year process. Guess what? Now you're three and a half years, really. Three and a half year process, and guess what? Now you're being entrusted the greater weight. Because when the glory comes, everything changes. When the glory comes, miracles just happen. We're going to re- enter a miracle realm like we've never seen. I'm telling you, I'm discerning angels this last few weeks like never before. I'm telling you, this thing is per- per- protected. Do not be afraid. I'm telling you. I haven't even had have time to talk to Pastor Mama Tina about it, but they were doing, I don't know, it was a wrestling thing or something that was happening. They were late in one service. And pre-service prayer, do you remember? We grabbed Talani and Sissy and we had them touch hands. We formed the mercy seat I saw the protection angels covering it. What did she sing when she first got in here? She sang joy, which we prayed earlier, and she said, I feel mercy in the room. She had no idea that we took 10, 15 minutes, and we literally joined hands all across everyone that came. There's probably like at least 30 of us that time, and we literally created mercy seats across the sanctuary saying, we create a seat for you to come. We create a seat for, called mercy for people to come. Spilled over myself. Dramatic pause. It's the anointing. It's the washing of the word. Let it rain. It's the former and latter rain. The latter rain should be more than the former rain. I want to tell a couple angel stories. On January 31st, we're going to end this thing with an invitation. And I don't know, man, if you're feeling the blood song from Brynn, I don't even know what it's called. If you're feeling that at the end we get here, jump right up there and do that the band. Because it just Wednesday night at Rock Me. So I don't know if I'm trying to recreate a moment or not, but it was amazing. And it's a song to just, there's history there with our pastor in that song. So, amen. In 2008, I went to Ravenna Assembly of God They had hosted a revival in the 90s. I was literally saved in the fall of 2007. This is what, six months later? And I'm just seeking prayer meetings. There's no prayer meetings anywhere. On any church website, Porch County. Except for Ravenna Assembly of God. It was 8 to 10, so I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna go there. There's gonna be like 30, 40 people just going after I show up, there's one old lady, crazy lady, like Mary Ellen, and um, her name was like Mary Jane or something. It was almost the same name. It was you. It was you. It was your spirit man. She was a flag lady, just like I'm telling you. It was like Mary Ellen's sister. You know who I'm talking about? What was her name? Mary something? Jane shooting? Now nah, I said I must have been thinking Mary Jane. Now see, I was just saved six months, Jeremy. So. I, was, I must have called her Mary Jane. I probably called her, I'm really bad with names. Probably called her the wrong name the whole time. Still getting delivered. <laughs> last dance with Mary Jane. She was one of those prophetic ladies. You're not sure if it's actually prophetic, but she was extremely prophetic because the last time I was there, she's like, Lord, I don't know if Mike will ever come here again if I'll ever see him again. And she did this whole thing. It was the last time I went there. And one time I was supposed to study Peter, but I didn't know if it was a clear word. So I just quit doing it because I was like, I don't know if this is God. And she comes up to me. I only went there two or three times. She's like, are you supposed to be studying something? And I was like, I was like, you know what? I thought I was supposed to study Peter. But then I was like, I don't know if this is God. So I just quit doing it. She's like, the Lord said, if he tells you to study something, you better do it. And then she smiled. And I was like, Jesus. I was like, okay, I'll study Peter. I know it's you now. Thank you for the confirmation. So I go there, literally it's her by herself. And this one time, it was like a party because she had another old lady with her with flags. And for some reason, my mom came with me. Mom, you want to go to prayer? Sure. So it was me my mom, who's old. You know, she's like in her late 70s now. So it's like two other old ladies. And there's me and my, like, 29 years old. Just funny. Fresh off partying and just dealing steroids, all that. I'm showing up to this thing at like 8 in the morning or whatever. I show up there, and we start praying for Muslims to get saved. And next thing you know, is I'm sitting there, I felt like a breeze come around me, like a swirling. And I just kept saying, holiness, holiness. We're all holding hands. And I'm sitting there like, man, this, I just feel holiness. And I just kept saying, holiness, holiness. We're all holding hands, being extremely Pentecostal. Well, they all just, like, let go of my hand and walked away. It was so weird because we're all praying together and running the heavens. And next thing you know, the fear of the Lord came so strong. I got on my face, and I thought I was going to die. And I'm like, like, listen, I totally related when the angels showed up in the Bible and they thought they are going to die. I I literally, say what you want about the fear of the Lord. I get it. But there's a measure of the fear of the Lord where you're afraid you're going to die because all I kept saying was I realized in a moment how impure I was. And every thought was seen. And I knew I couldn't hide from any thought. And I'm sitting there going, I'm grabbing my head like this, and I'm saying, Lord, don't kill me. Lord, don't kill me. You're holy. You're holy. Don't kill me. I'm too sinful. I'm too sinful. Don't kill me. And literally, as the light got brighter and brighter, I was terrified I was going to die in the presence of God. I'm not kidding. I've never felt anything like it since. I'm six months saved, have no marker, no theology. (laughs) I'm just... And then I'm on my face trying to get in the carpet. I'm so terrified. Next thing you know, I go into a trance, and there's an angel standing right before me. Blonde hair, blue sash. Like a better-looking Fabio. You're way better-looking, Revelation, than Fabio. I was like, am I making, you know, if if it wasn't so intense, I would have thought I'm making it up. Fabio can't even compare to you, Revelation, I'm sorry. So I, I'm sitting there, this dude looks at me, he doesn't move his lips, he looks at me and he says, I am Revelation. Then you know my personality, right? Because the fear of the Lord kind of dissipated at that point. I was like, does this dude just say his name's Revelation? And he heard me, and he said, I'm here to bring you Revelation, I'm like, jeez. And he takes a gold key like a key to a city. And on the key said Hebrews eleven six, And he handed it to me and said, I give you a key called Seek. How many of you know what Hebrews 11, 6 says? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But you have to believe that He's God and that He rewards what? Those who diligently seek Him. And he gave me, he went on and talked about some other, like, you know, mystery stuff, like you're going to walk through seven doors kind of thing. I, I had to go look at my journal. I can't remember. All I remember is the key was like so profound to me. And I received this key called seek. I've been seeking them ever since. There's been ebbs and flows in that seeking, but it's, it's just a key in my life. Fast forward, 2009, the late summer. I don't know if we're engaged yet or not, but we did this tent meeting, which no one showed up to and almost ruined our ministry at the glory barn. We are sure revival is breaking out in 2009. It was a cool fall night, but the sky was real clear. Jen and I have hoodies, and we had this idea, this romantic idea. We're going to snuggle up in the back of their truck, the old S10 extended cab thing we had, and just watch the stars. So we're bundled up because it's freezing. And uh, we're just cuddled there, and we both fell asleep. Why go into a dream? And I won't go into all the details. But the first dream I had, there was a newspaper headline of like a boxing match like announcing a contention and a victory. And then the next dream I go into, and there's some other things in there I won't talk about, but I, I go into this dream and the second one was on the front page of the newspaper revi- announcing revival has come. And open-eyed, I was in what some people call twilight. I wasn't, I couldn't move yet, but I was awake, but I wasn't dreaming. It's kind of that in-between state. And I look up toward the moon, I see a spider web with a like black widow looking thing in the middle of it. And it was purple and black. And then right next, like, it was, like, here in this side of the moon. And then I see what looked like the moon head moving. I was like, what the heck is the moon moving like that? And I realized it was, it was like a white hologram of an angel that walked. It was so tall, its head was where the moon was. And it walked through, and it had a cloak with a real high collar on it. And it was wearing a cloak, and it started walking in the field, to where the tent was, like it was in a neighbor's property, we're out in the country, and it started walking. And Jen has no idea this is going on. She's she's asleep, and you guys know the Jesus Lord joke with me, right? No one could say the the thing to test the spirits if they say Jesus Lord, they're legit. So anytime I get terrified in encounter, counter, I yell Jesus Lord because it's the first thing that comes out of my heart, and it's a, it's a joke, but I still do it. I still do it. I don't know why. It's you can make fun of me because it's funny. <laughs> So I'm in there. I don't know if you're still asleep. And next thing you know, I see this thing. I freak out, but I can't move. I'm just like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And then all of a sudden, my I snap back in my body or whatever it was, and I yell, Jesus, Lord. She's <laughs> like knowing her. is in the middle of a field by her tent. And Jen wakes up. She's like, are you okay? What's going on? And next thing you know, I don't see this thing. The next thing you know, I see a hologram of a foot. Step right through where we were. Jen doesn't see anything. And right when the foot starts to hit us, Jen goes, whoa! It starts rolling around the back of the truck. I jump out and go, oh, my God. Oh, my God. This angel just walked right through us. I saw it. I saw it. She's like, what are you talking about? Like, oh, my God, God. Jesus, coming back soon. I don't know what I said. I was probably, I'm not taking a mark. I was freaking my stuff out. I never got any revelation of what that was. And then fast forward at Bethel. I was at Bethel, Cleveland. My time was starting near to an end. I was there until 2013, from 2010 to 2013. And I know I was there just to get equipped and to help them help me get through a dark night of the soul of two years I was going through. And uh, learn about the goodness of God and God's in a good mood. Instead of cursing Jezebel and getting tormented by her because I yelled her name every five minutes. (laughs) It's so much better this side. So much more freeing. If you're in warfare, just get out of A favor. (laughs) So it got me out of that. And when my time was coming to an end, we knew grace was lifting, but I was at Victory. Steve Witt was speaking. He was our pastor in Victory, Coitsville. And they had river service, and he was speaking. there's a lot of guys from Bethel writing there. And I go into, like, this deep vision in my mind. And I see an angel. I can't say for sure it's the same one I think it was. It was real tall. And he was carrying this huge pocket watch. He was tall as a building. And this pocket watch was hanging down, probably big as I was. And it said three minutes to midnight. And it doesn't say anything to me. He just points his finger. He's holding the pocket watch. And he's pointing his finger to go to this bridge. And I went over this bridge, and it looked like this little town, a lot like Manaway. And we transitioned to be part of the family here around that same time or a little bit after that. So I knew the point of the counter is I'm transitioning into this area of a small town kind of thing, not like the Cleveland area and all that. <clears throat> well, I haven't really thought too much about those encounters at all until January 31st when we had prophetic ignition. We try to have prophetic ignition. How many were there? Raise your hand. I started telling these two stories, and what happened? Just... The Lord just loved it or something. I don't know what happened. It got wild. Like we got, I'm like, well, I think the class is done today. We're just kind of go with whatever. She's getting tongue interpretations. Nika's whimpering and then like it's just. I don't know what was going on. And every time I'm like, okay, I feel like we're gonna teach now. Everyone's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I feel that. I feel that. And, let me stop and then we we'll stop. Then we start all over again. <laughs> I was like, screw it. We're not doing activations anything. This is the activation. But during this few weeks of February, when this whole thing started breaking out, I still got this provocation of glory in my mind. And I'm sitting here praying one night. I don't know if it was just one of the hundred services we did. I don't know. It could have been a prayer because I was here so much. I really, it, just, it all, and I'm not being cynical. I just can't tell you what day or service it feels. We're just, people are here praying. That's all I know. Or worshiping. So I'm sitting here. And next thing you know, in my mind, this isn't a face-to-face encounter. In my mind, I see that big angel again. And I'm trying to be cool. I'm like, what's your name? He's like, don't worry about it. Didn't say it like that. But he's like, you'll know my name when, you know, he was cool. But I'm like, I think you're the angel I saw at victory in the field. He's like, I'm assigned to this region, okay? And I see this key, like the key called Seek, over northeast Ohio. and It was opening and locking grace to seek him and i got real excited because of what happened in prophetic ignition i said lord let revelation go around and release the key everywhere all over the country and this angel says he already has and i saw a map with multiple locations it was just a flash so if you would ask me what cities i can't tell you it was all over the eastern part of the united states And so then it hit me, this is what's happening in Asbury. God unlocked grace to seek him. And he's testing, he's provoking everyone that thought they were entitled to revival through fasting and praying and all this stuff. Just like the Pharisees, they prayed in Jesus and didn't see him when they come. They have all these rules. God souls, saves souls. Saving souls is good, but God just does what he wants. And he's releasing right now grace to seek him. Like never before. And the second, this last time I saw that big angel, he had a, for a minute, he had the pocket watch again. (coughs) Excuse me. This time, it was one to midnight. I thought to myself, but I thought this was that. How come it's not midnight? But then it hit me. This is just the beginning. This isn't even the new day that we've been praying into. That should be good news. What we're seeing with our teenagers isn't even close to the fullness of what we're getting ready to see in this third great awakening. It's only the initial provocation. I've been talking to Penn Robbins a couple of days, and he was talking about the Foolish Virgin, so I had to watch his thing live stream at the playroom today in Covington. You're going to have to watch or listen to the podcast. I am going to slay it and murder it, and, and you're going to be like, that's not a good revelation. When you hear him do it, it's going to blow your socks off. So, Ben, I'm sorry because I'm going to butcher your revelation right now. He has this whole, you have to hear him lay it out. He has a different take on the foolish virgins. He said, nowhere does Jesus rebuke them for not having enough oil. The correction that comes at the end of the parable, the warning, is stay awake and stay alert for the time of the appearing. Everyone made that about the return of Christ. I'm telling you today, it's about the return of the presence of God to the church. He said, the foolish versions we know in the parable go to the wise versions. When the announcement is made, and I love the passion version of it, it's like, here comes the bridegroom, come and encounter him. It's not the rapture. Come and encounter him. And the foolish versions go to the wise, I don't have enough oil, give us some of your oil. And they're like, sorry, you gotta go to one who buys it. So the foolish virgins, he said, weren't fools because they didn't have enough oil. He said, because the correction was don't fall asleep. And both the wise and foolish virgins fell asleep. The correction at the end of the parable was stay awake and stay alert. They both fell asleep. They failed the test. But why did the wise ones, why were they called wise? It wasn't because they had more lamps, oil in their lamps. It's because when the announcement made, they ran right for them. The foolish virgins in their own effort said, I have to do, I have to make this happen So let me run and get oil real fast. They go and get oil in the parable. What happens? It says the door was shut. And Jesus says, like, let us in. He's like, surely I don't know you. Friend, surely I don't have any idea who you are. And Ben's revelation, which is mind-blowing, you got to catch this. Is Jesus refuses to recognize us in our own self-effort. Jesus refuses to recognize us in our own self-effort. Everything's grace. He's the great initiator. That why they were wise wasn't because they had more oil. It was because when the voice came out, they beamlined straight for him and the invitation went out to the wise and the foolish but the foolish thought they had to go earn it to be able to come back in when the announcement was never was, bring me your oil. Come, but bring me your oil to get in. Never said that. The correction was to stay awake, and they both failed, but the invitation went out, and the wise ones actually are the ones that responded. The foolish ones are the ones that try to, like, work it up to earn their way into the presence that was announced. You can't earn this, Northgate. Don't do it. Don't try to earn it. No. Don't. Bill Cutright, pastor said, had the greatest prophecy ever we ever had. And it's part of the reckless love song. I couldn't, I didn't earn it and I don't deserve it. But look at my kids. You can't earn this thing. All you could do is respond to it. And if you respond to it, you'll be in the center of wonder of it all. But if you ever get to the temptation that I'm going to lose this thing and I have to do something to make it happen, guess what? You're, you're out of wonder now and you're in the works. What Paul calls falling from grace. I'm not telling you to stop praying. I'm saying the activity of seeking God is the same. There's grace to seek to God, but the intention of the heart can't be because you're afraid to lose it. It's the parable of the talent. The guy afraid to lose it is the one that had one talent and lost it. There's one. There's one question in here. Isn't how for me? Isn't how this is going how, how what do we have to do to keep this from ending? Wrong question. Apostle corrected that years ago. The answer is using the same parable, right? The answer is how. The question should be how far will this grace allow me to go? How far can this day go? It started with ten teenagers. It started with Kaden and Trent and Alexis and Chloe. But what about Roy? What about our friends from Ravenna? What about mama and papa? How can this thing grow? What about our visitors tonight? What about people that go to Dollar Tree? And they tell the stories. People are always asking what that was. They hear it and they feel something. You hear the testimonies. But they're afraid to check it out. We cannot make this happen If we do We'll wear ourselves out And that has nothing to do with the amount of time We pray Hear what I'm saying Don't hear what I'm saying and say I don't have to show up I don't have to do that's not what I'm telling you If anything It should provoke you to pray more Because you know the hour you're in is our hour Of visitation our hour of visitation is here, Northgate. The bridegroom is saying, come, come. Yeah, Stop trying to get things in order to get. Just get in the presence. Order will come from the presence. Apostle said this. Order will come in the pre- Do we need order? Yes, yes, yes. But I'm telling you, order's from the top down. Order's coming from the spirit. I'm telling you, I've caught myself wanting to be sarcastic, and the Lord's like, eh, and I'm like, Ooh, okay. When the nearness comes, things would naturally start to get in order. There's an invitation tonight. I know a lot of us aren't here. People are sick. People are traveling. Let's go to Isaiah 55. Stand your feet. We're going to end on this. If the band wants to get up there. The invitation now is the same as it was in the beginning. Northgate, you cannot make this happen, but you can honor what is happening and you can increase it. Don't ask, what do we have to do to keep it from going away? Ask the real question, how can we grow this thing and how far will this grace take us? I'm telling you, in my personal life, as soon as I start questioning, what do we have to do so this doesn't go away? I instantly snap back into legalism and I'm like, okay, Lord, I'll pray three hours. You're not going to pray three hours a day all the time. With the greatest intentions I've tried, it doesn't happen. You do it for a couple, just like a diet, you do it for a couple days and a few days later, you're like, kind yeah, I really want a wing or a piece of bread. You start off great, but it always dies out, doesn't it? It has nothing to do what the amount of time, has everything to do with the posture of your heart. When you are afraid to lose it, you automatically step back into the voice of Ishmael and legalism and the accuser of the brethren. When you ask, this is amazing, how can we give the whole world to this? You win. You know why? Because now you're worshiping right where you want to and in, in the place of wonder. I'm telling you, Legalism is a prison that looks really spiritual. Apostle, seven years ago, prophesied, you're coming out of a fast. You're coming into a feast. And in, in April, we're feasting again. But more than meals together, it's feasting on him. This is the great feast. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Yeah, he gives himself away. And I'm going to feast on his faithfulness. I'm telling you, Northgate, I've been to churches. I've been to prayer meetings that prayed for this. And those people don't even have churches anymore. And they were legit men of God with passion and compassion. They don't even have churches anymore. And I'm not speaking a word against them. I'm just telling you, be grateful for what you have in the family that you have. And my God, when the Lord starts initiating this thing, which he already has, just respond just respond Isaiah 55 starting verse 1 ho everybody who thirst who's qualified to come into this expression who's thirsty everybody who's thirsty come to the waters and you who have no money wait. I can be broke and get a drink yes you can No limits on the wine. Come, buy, eat. You come. Then you buy into what's going on and what you hear, and then you digest it and make it a part of who you are. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. You know what that means? By faith. And then he says, why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? All those cars, those shoes, those hobbies that you buy for, they're not going to satisfy you. Listen carefully and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear and your soul shall live And I will make an everlasting covenant with you. The sure mercies of David. Did did they not prophesy that the Havids are coming? (sighs) Indeed, I have given him as a witness to the people, a leader and commander of the people. Surely you shall call a nation you do not know, and nations who do not know you shall run to you. There's your inheritance. Because of the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel, for he has what glorified you. I didn't even know that was in here. What do we say in pre-service prayer? Father, glorify your son. And he responds from heaven: I will glorify it, and I will glorify, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. Seek the Lord, listen, Northgate, while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. This is a time of nearness. Let the wicked forsake his way and let the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. What did we talk about last week? The mercy seat being established in our city. And to our God, he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, it do not return there, but but water the earth and make it bring forth the bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth and the sinking before you. And all the field, the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress tree. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. And it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Northgate, you're a sign and a wonder in the earth. Everybody come forward. If you're thirsty tonight, come on, this scripture, this invitation is in three parts. It's in Isaiah 55, prophesying welcome. come. It's in the initial invitation of the book of John. You know where it is? It's in the back of the book in Revelations 22. Right in the final encounter of the scriptures, the very last thing, what does it say? Shh. For those who are thirsty, let them come and drink. Let them come. Let them drink of the river of life freely. Without limitations. Northgate, will you respond to the call? Will you come to the living waters tonight? When you come to the living waters tomorrow during the afternoon on your lunch break and tomorrow night, will you respond and say, God, you're doing something special and I'm going to honor the point. I'm going to turn aside. I'm going to let the spirit of Elijah have its way and I'm going to bring my son up here and pray. Will you respond tonight with thanksgiving and liberty? Because there's a holy provocation. And if we make a unanimous decision, this house will see the glory of the Lord and not have to wait another 40 years for the next generation to see prophecy fulfilled. We will see prophecy fulfilled, beloved. And we will see it in our city. Lift your hands. Come on. Thank you for listening to this message from the North Gate. If you would like to donate to this ministry, please go to www.thenorthgateoh.com and click on the link at the bottom of the homepage.